I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. That's how we ended 2023 on Friday here on Unsportsmanlike and ESPN Radio and ESPN2. Today, the start of the new year, I still don't know how to say the name of the song that is currently playing, Matt Jones. Do yeah, you? It's what, Auld Lang Syne, right? Uh, to all acquaintance be forgot. Is I that, could is, sing a, I... I think you're right on that. I just, I could sing a couple bars of it. I could not get to the point where it's, where they say for Auld Auld or is it odd? I don't know. I don't know. I just <laughs> It's odd. It's A U L D. By the way, I'm I want to thank the folks that did this show and asked me to do it because New Year's Eve, Courtney, has been the worst holiday of my life over time. I was broken up with on New Year's Eve. I was uh, I bailed a friend out of jail one time on New Year's Eve, and I also uh, was at a rehab. One, not I wasn't at rehab. I was visiting someone on New Year's Eve. So getting out of New Year's Eve has, was the best thing possible. So thank you to ESPN for having me do that. Yeah, for, for all of you who might be like stumbling in right now, I mean, I know that it is like yeah, in the middle can't be many listening or watching right now. Yeah, we appreciate it. We, no, we uh, we're glad that you're spending your morning with us here, the first of the new year on ESPN Radio and ESPN2, unsportsmanlike, as always presented by our good friends over at Progressive Insurance. You've got Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones, sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle. They will be back tomorrow to break down all of the national championship implications in the CFP semifinals that we get today. Later on our airwaves coverage beginning 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. But there's so much to get to from the Week 17 slate of the NFL season. The games, if you're just waking up right now, the slate for Week 18 is finally set about a 50-50 split between those 1 p.m. games and the 425 games, followed by the race for the AFC East between Buffalo and Miami. That is Sunday Night Football next week. But let's start with the Miami Dolphins, as we just talked about, the team that they played yesterday, the Baltimore Ravens, a 56-19 final For Baltimore, a day where Lamar Jackson has no problem carving up this defense that was the best scoring defense in the NFL. He throws for 321 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions, adds 35 yards on the ground, and adds to his MVP campaign in helping Baltimore lock up the number one overall seed. We know that this this MVP race, Matt, Throughout the month of December, a lot of jockeying for positioning. At first, it was Dak Prescott, and then it was Brock Purdy. Now it's Lamar Jackson, who looks like he's about to run away with his second award. And I think it just goes to show that this can change a lot. Last year, we didn't have that. We had Jalen Hurts. We had Patrick Mahomes thundering down the stretch, a two-person race until Hurts ends up getting hurt and missing those final few games of the regular season, and Mahomes ends up winning his second MVP. This, to me has made it more exciting that we have seen three different quarterbacks, and you can throw Christian McCaffrey in the mix there too, but three quarterbacks as the front runners in the month of December alone. And at this point, I know with one week of the season left, there's not much time, but this is Lamar Jackson's to lose. And this may be a better season for him than when he won it the first time in 2019. 
Oh, it definitely is. This is the best Lamar's ever played. I mean, this is the Lamar on the NFL level that he was in college, which was a guy who could do everything. And then in the NFL, at first, you didn't necessarily see the passing component quite as much, and now you are, and he's playing amazing. The MVP thing is like a group think. That's what happens with this stuff. It's just everybody moves as a group over and over rather than – I've actually thought Lamar was the MVP since at least like week seven because – with there's no team that changes more with or without a player than Lamar. He is the offense. He is the whole thing that drives it. And I give the kid a lot of credit. I've known him since he was a sophomore in college, and he's always believed on himself in a level that other people have not. And what I like about this is you could make a strong argument going into this season that really nobody on any team valued him the way they should. The Ravens didn't want to pay him as an elite quarterback, and other teams didn't want to trade for him. And now they would, and he went out and did it. So I have a ton of respect for that kid, always have. He's not only the MVP, I think he has been, over the last seven years, next to Mahomes, the best player in the NFL. And, Courtney, I just don't think people have ever given him that credit and respect, and I'm glad to see him getting it this year. You brought up week seven, and that made me think back to their game against the Detroit Lions. When, when we do, I write our MVP file at ESPN.com. We put it out every three to four weeks in the season. We'll be doing it after week 18, and I like, assume at this point that this is his award to win. But you, we pick out MVP moments, and to me, that came week seven when he yes. gets this offense off to a 28-0 start against the Detroit Lions, who at that point – were they looked great. They, they looked were, like a defensive juggernaut. They were a 5-1 yeah. and one team. They came into Baltimore looking like they were going to just stomp the light out of the Baltimore Ravens. That wasn't the case at all because Lamar orchestrated a multifaceted attack that has remained consistent throughout the season, even when the weapons around him haven't been consistent. We've talked so much about Patrick Mahomes and his offensive weapons, his wide receivers, failing him in those, mo- in those big moments where they're not coming up on the receiving end of very easy passes that have been put into their hands. We don't give Lamar Jackson, for some reason, that same sort of credence to where if Zay Flowers is having an off night, if they're not getting contributions from Justice Hill, if they're having to rely you know, on, on a catch here or there from Odell Beckham Jr., which, again, he had one yesterday that was really impressive, but they're not getting consistent production out of him. Lamar's still able to put the offense on his back and get his team in position where he's going toe-to-toe with two of the best offenses in the NFL in back-to-back weeks. 33 points on the road against the San Francisco 49ers. 56. I'm going to tell you that again. 56 points. A season high in scoring for the Baltimore Ravens when Lamar Jackson throws five touchdowns. He's not doing it the way of old when he was the unanimous MVP in 2019 where he set the single-season quarterback rushing record. He's still a dynamic threat with his legs. No one will ever take that away from him. There's Two quarterbacks, Matt, in the NFL that can do that. It's Justin Fields and it's Lamar Jackson. And Lamar does it at a level that is different from anything we've ever seen. But watching him develop as a passer this year, after everything we heard throughout the offseason about installing a new offense, maybe there were some lumps here and there that they had to take as they worked through this, you've watched the development of Lamar Jackson over the course of the season. And to watch him, like if you took him off this team, is this team the the number one seed in the AFC? This no, team it's not. He doesn't even make the playoffs without it. I mean, he he is a completely different superstar. And and I think what has happened is there were a lot of people 
He was the ushering in of a new era of NFL quarterbacks. There will never be a pocket doesn't move quarterback again, at least one at an elite level. There just won't. And he is the first guy that sort of – well, he's not the first, but he was the major guy in that transition. I still remember hosting the NFL pregame show, the very first radio show Dan Orlovsky did with ESPN, and Orlovsky was saying he's not an NFL quarterback. I remember Dan. I'm still giving you a hard time about it. But the reason he thought that was we just hadn't seen guys like him succeed. And now there's a whole generation like Justin Fields who are able to be given the benefit of the doubt – that he was not given. And so I actually think it has taken to year six or seven for him that people finally accept that what Lamar is is what quarterbacks are now. That is what a quarterback in the NFL is, exactly what Lamar is. And it didn't feel like that when he came in. He is the dude who has suffered so that a Justin Fields can get picked and people give him the benefit of the doubt. I think that's partially why he's one of the most impressive players in the league. And, Courtney, I'm a Kentucky guy. He's a Louisville guy. I hate Louisville with a passion, but I still love Lamar because I think he's just on a whole nother level. It's unsportsmanlike. He's Matt Jones, Courtney Cronin, sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this January 1st morning. Happy New Year to you and yours. The show, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. You go back to that time, though. That's 2018. That's not that long ago. I know. And what we've learned since then, which we already should have known, it's like if you have a one-dimensional threat, you make it easier for defenses to beat you. As passing offenses, as offenses in general have evolved in the NFL, that dual threat capability that Lamar Jackson ushered into the NFL in ways that we honestly had not seen since Michael Vick – That athleticism combined with how good of a passer he is, and he needed to hone that skill set. He wasn't going to do it uh, in Gus Bradley's offense. He is now able to do it in Todd Munkin's offense, and there's a reason that during the game yesterday, the 56-19 win that they had over the Miami Dolphins, you saw so many shots of Todd Munkin, the former Georgia offensive coordinator, up in the booth. It's because he's built something for Lamar Jackson that's getting every last drop out of his skill set. And that's helping the Baltimore Ravens to where they are right now, the number one seed in the AFC playoffs. So the, to the road to the Super Bowl goes through Baltimore this year. Lamar Jackson following the game. We know we're talking about MVP. We know we're talking about the win. But here's what he had to say about the importance of what it meant for their playoff hopes, which will, for them will begin in the divisional round. It was very important. You know, we had a, a lot of guys, you know, banged up, you know, um, nipped up with injuries, guys who couldn't play. Um, we had guys who stepped up, uh, knew the situation, and they played lights out, you know, um, all phases. We all know it was important for us to get this win, and, and we did just that. So we won't likely see Lamar Jackson or really anybody else next week when they have the Steelers in their finale because they have clinched home field advantage they've clinched the number one seed so again like they don't start playing until the second week of the postseason since they'll be playing in that divisional round I know that you and I are different differing of opinion here though like do you think this could actually hinder the Ravens that little bit of drop the the time off that they would have I don't think it hinders but I do think though you do have to be careful when you essentially if you're going to give Lamar off this week which I think you should then there's going to be three weeks in between him playing. And I do think that's something that matters. Now, you know, there are teams that have made it work, but I think you are more vulnerable to an upset. Again, let's go through what the bracket is likely to be. 
if you're going to be the one seed, let's just assume the two and the three both win, which will be mm-hmm. the winner of the AFC East and the Chiefs. You're going to then in your first playoff game probably play the loser of the AFC East, which will either be the Dolphins or Bills. So the Dolphins and Bills will play each other. The loser of that game is probably going to open up your playoffs against Baltimore. Those are two pretty good teams. Now, I know you just crushed the Dolphins, so you probably feel good about it. But I do think it's important to understand you're going to have Lamar three weeks having not played, all of a sudden seeing likely the Dolphins or the Bills. That's a that's a tough game to start the playoffs off. So it's just something to watch as you watch these playoffs develop over the next few weeks. Who would you want to face less if you are Baltimore yeah, in that a, that AFC that AFC East showdown that we have on Sunday Night Football? That's the last game of the regular season between the Dolphins and the Buffalo Bills. That'll decide who ends up getting the, you know, likely to be the two seed in the play, in the AFC playoff picture, who ends up as a six seed, which currently Miami's the two, Buffalo's the six. I know that Buffalo had a close-ish game, a one-possession game that they end up, one-score game that they end up winning yesterday against New England Patriots. They've had some close games as of late. To me, they are the most dangerous team in this AFC playoff picture. Yeah, I mean, I guess looking at it, the Ravens would get either the Browns, the Dolphins, or the Bills. If I'm them... I'd rather play, of all those teams, the Dolphins because I just think the Dolphins are the Ravens but worse, whereas the Browns and the Bills would play them much more physical, especially the Browns. I'd probably want the Browns the least of that group if I was them just because of the way they play defensively. I, the AFC, though, is what's, what's amazing about it. Let's say the Dolphins beat the Bills and the Dolphins are the two and the Chiefs are the three. You could make an argument that the five and the six, the Browns and the Bills, would be better than the two and the three. That rarely happens, but I think it could happen this year. Yeah, we'll leave it here. There's plenty more to get into with the AFC playoff picture, but you're right. The Cleveland Browns, who just locked up their third postseason bid since 1999 when they beat the Jets on Thursday night football, they're a dangerous team that not many are going to want to face in the month of January. Straight ahead here on Unsportsmanlike, Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this January 1st morning. Does the NFL need more accountability from officials? We discuss next here, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Wise, the account that helps you manage your money all around the world. Dining in dollars, doing business and bot, wherever life takes you, the Wise account helps you send, spend, and receive in different currencies fast. Wise is the easy way to connect all of your finances internationally. Buying that dream property in Portugal? Done. Freelancing in France? No problem. Sending money back to mom? Simple. All without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. Minimum fees, maximum ease, full speed. Join 16 million customers and learn how the Wise account could work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash unsportsmanlike. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. The agony of defeat for the Detroit Lions following a botched two-point conversion call at the hand of officials. They called illegal touching because of a he said, he said about reporting as the eligible lineman. The call there courtesy 105.3 The Fan. And the course correct that that Saturday night blunder had on the NFL yesterday, I'm Courtney Kern and he's Matt Jones. I cover the Chicago Bears for ESPN's NFL Nation. 
the game that I was at yesterday between the Falcons and the Bears, the head official, every time there was a lineman reporting as eligible, said it three separate times. And there was always a little added emphasis on number 75 is reporting as eligible. 75 reporting as eligible. Like, he kept saying it to the point where you could tell that this was clearly a course correct. So he didn't end up in the same situation that Brad Allen did with his staff on Saturday night's game between the Lions and the Cowboys. Dallas ends up winning 20-19, to and it's not without controversy, whether it's Mike McCarthy and some clock management that gets bailed out because of the officials. But here we are again, Matt, on Unsportsmanlike, on ESPN Radio. It's New Year's Day. We should be talking about a great slate of Week 17 games and the results and the outcome of those games in the NFL. But once again, we're left talking about officials who have no accountability, who haven't said a darn word about this in the last 24 hours. And I guess the NFL just expects that it's going to gloss over and we're going to move on to the next thing because the lack of the lack of action, the silence would lead you to believe they're like, all right, it'll smooth over eventually. They'll move on to the next thing until we inevitably have the next referee. Blunder. Well, I mean, they're right, though. We will all move on because the league is built to sort of you know, cover this stuff up. The only uh, – my problem with – look, the NFL does a lot of things really well. The thing it does imperfectly is it never will admit mistakes, and they consider officials sort of part of that group of people that must be protected at all costs. Officials are grown men and women, and they mess up. And this dude, Allen, clearly messed up. Doesn't mean he's a bad guy, but he thought one guy was the one that declared eligible, and it was the other one. Just say that. They won't say that. And then Dan Campbell can't even complain about it because he knows he'll get fined because this is like a regime from the, you know, 1720s where if you say the wrong thing, the government will come down upon you and send you to the gulag. Like, I have to say, I don't understand this idea that, like, officials are the one group of people on earth that you can't say are wrong, but that's the way the NFL's done it, and the NFL does it in a way that no other league does. He messed up. There's no debate. He messed up. He thought the guy was declaring eligible. It was a different guy. He got baffled. It is what it is. But I would argue, Courtney, that what should happen to officials is they should be suspended. Mm-hmm. Coaches are suspended when they make up or when they mess up. Players are suspended. Officials should be as well. Everybody else in this world has accountability. Officials do not. The topic of conversation around how do you fix officiating and all of the issues that we've seen the last couple of years, controversial calls, no calls, so on and so forth, with NFL officials, always seems to center around, well, the NFL should make them full-time employees. That, you what know, for that those, do? See, that's my thing. And for those who don't know, like, I don't know, if this, I guess it's not common fact, because when we, I was hosting with Peter Burns yesterday on ESPN Radio on Best Week Ever, we had a lot of people like comment, like, I didn't know that officials were not full-time employees of the league. These are people who have lives outside of their NFL bubble, that they have jobs outside of the NFL bubble. Of course, the easiest thing to do would be to put them on the payroll, have their W-2 read NFL at the end of the year. But how would that and- help? But that's what would that's that do? the thing, because I feel like that's a very convenient scapegoat to a bigger issue at hand here, which is human error. And that doesn't go away whether you are a full-time employee of the NFL or not. So, so I wanted to ask you people listening right now on Sportsman, like on New Year's Day, 
888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's Dr. Pepper call-in line number. How do we fix this? Because simply making them full-time employees doesn't take away from the element of human error, which I honestly feel like is what happened here with Brad Allen. He's getting called a liar. He's getting called a million worse names than that. But I believe that if what Dan Campbell told us, this is a, a he, you know, you go up to the officials before the game, you let them know, hey, we might run this trick play, we might have an extra lineman on the field, just making you aware of it. And then he doesn't remember three hours later in the heat of the moment, even though we clearly see him look at Taylor Decker, number 68, not number 70, and reporting is eligible, then the, that stuff happens. It's okay to have a brain fart. But then the accountability element, which is null and void at this point, it was nowhere to be seen, that's the problem that I have with the NFL. So I don't know how you fix it if there can't well, be that me, accountability. Can I give a solution? Uh, yes, suspend course, them. By all means. That's what you do. Suspend them and it, then give bonus. It, like Treat you, it like any other job in the world, which is when you do well, you get paid more, and when you do not, you get paid less. As you move up the charts as you're good, you move down the charts as you're bad, and if you continue to perform poorly, you are replaced. That's what we would do in any other job. Mm-hmm. Look, I don't care if they're full-time or not, but do we really need to make them full-time if they work 18 days a year? What in the world does that do? If you want to do it, have at it. It's not my money. I don't care if you make them full-time, but that's not going to solve the problem. The problem is accountability. I would say make it to where the people that most consistently get the call right are paid higher than the rest, and then it works. The problem is we treat officials differently than we treat everything else in life. Success or failure is irrelevant. Whether they're good or bad at their job is irrelevant. It's just whether or not they do it long enough, they get more money. You want to make it work? Make it part of the same system that we use everywhere else in the world to decide who has merit and who doesn't. Officials don't, and the result you get is what you get. The only incentive they have to not get things wrong right now is that you'll get playoff games taken away from your crew if you end up screwing up. And, you know, to your point on a suspension, if there's any crew that would probably deserve it, it's Brad Allen's. This, what happened in Dallas is not the only time that we've seen his crew at the center of controversy. Go back to that non-DPI call at the end of the Chiefs-Packers game at Lambeau Field where Marquez Valdez-Scantling has a defender draped over him on a, pla- on a pass that went incomplete, should have drawn DPI, and that, d- that one ends up going away. Nothing happens. Chiefs go on to lose that game. And that Last week, still, there's that- another one, too. I want to – one second. There's another one, too. Brad Allen, there was a roughing call on Justin Fields. You remember that? That was two weeks ago against the Cleveland Browns. That, that screwed the Bears out of a critical field goal position. Zadarius Smith later gets fined for that hit. That's another missed call. Like, if you can keep pointing to these, is for, for casual fans, for someone like myself, to be able to keep track of your mistakes as a professional, then that should mean something. That should mean that there's some sort of penalty for your inaction in those moments and your inability to get those calls right. I don't know why it's so hard, though, for the NFL to, to, to go out and say, well, we're going to suspend this crew to give some sort of reprimand for what they did because... Maybe they don't feel they have enough other crews to go out and like do the job and replace them. I don't know. It's kind of a lame excuse if that's the reasoning. That's, that's not an excuse. There are plenty of officials around the country. Not, you're exactly right about that group. And guess what? 
they ended up getting a primetime game with two of the best teams in the league yep. the next week. So the, the issue is they don't have any accountability. As a matter of fact, it would not surprise me if this group that's had all these mistakes, if they give them a playoff game just to show people that they can't be pushed around. I'm not, I, I will not be shocked if we see that crew that's had these high-profile mistakes in a playoff game because that's the arrogance that the league has on these things. If I had a crew that had made the mistakes you said, would I give them a standalone Dallas-Detroit game? Of course not. But they did, and that shows that they don't care what anyone makes about these criticisms. It almost motivates them to go to the other way. All right, we'll leave it here. I see your calls, Lee, Richard, and Jeff on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Hang on, we're going to get your takes on how we can fix this. I think Matt has a good solution here. might be the only solution because if you take something away from somebody, usually that's incentive enough to get them to you know, do right and fix their mistakes. Until the NFL does that, though, until there's any sort of actual culpability, you're probably going to keep seeing these things pop up. But we're going to get your calls on the Dr. Pepper call-in line coming up in a bit, but straight ahead. The CFP semifinals are in a matter of hours. What does college football need to do to make sure that these games will matter from here on out, as they always do? There's a lot of talk about bowl game season. We're going to talk with someone about that next and his ideas for college football going forward on Sportsmanlike ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. It's demon time on Prize Picks, where you can now win up to 100 times your money. That's right, 100, 100 times, times your money. With as little as four correct picks, you can turn $10 into $1,000. Demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks. Squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts. And as always, prize picks is really simple to play. You can make your picks and submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. They even offer injury insurance so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make PrizePix the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepix.com morning and use code morning for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepix.com morning, code morning, for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the Unsportsmanlike Podcast on ESPN Radio. Evan Canty and Michelle are unsportsmanlike. Happy New Year. It's unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Matt Jones sitting in for Evan Canty and Michelle on this Monday morning. They will be back tomorrow, but you've got us for the next couple of hours, and we have you here on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Help us fix the officiating issue in the NFL. Obviously, it's magnified today because of what happened Saturday, Matt, with the 
in a legal touching call and the two-point conversion because of a he said, he said when it comes to referee Brad Allen and then Taylor Decker and the other eligible lineman, number 70, whose name escapes me right now, uh, for the Detroit Lions. Skipper, I think Dan Skipper. Dan yes. Skipper. So both of them said that they reported correctly. The officials said they did not. And, of course, today we're left picking up the pieces while the officials – Still to this date, it's been more than 24 hours, haven't heard a word from the NFL or from them uh, taking any accountability for the call and what happened or did not happen. But we want to know from you. Matt has a great suggestion. Maybe they suspend refs when things like this happen and they blatantly get calls wrong. What would you suggest? Let's start out with Lee in Dallas. Lee, you're on Unsportsmanlike. Where is the solution here for some of these officiating blunders? I mean, okay, you know, I'm a Cowboys fan. I'm glad they won. But I just say, you know, some of this stuff is just, you know, human error. I mean, we saw what happened when we had Let me ask you a question. Lee, would you have felt the same way if the Cowboys lost? Like, it's easy to say now it's human error because your team won, Lee. What if you lost? Would you feel the same way? I mean, it's part of the game. You gotta. We, we can't forget when they. So is that when you, they, they that's what you do that. when your team loses? You just go, well, that happens. I know you, Lee. Well, I, mean, I, I mean, can I, he, I, I can hear I, it in I, your I, voice. You'd have been upset. Am I right? Okay, but the way I look at it, we have to look at it. This, this is a game. It's more. But I mean, if you really want to fix some of these problems, do you want to have instant replay out? Because I mean, if you watch the game, there's there's so many calls that can every play you can call hold it. Is the receiver really on the line? But in this situation with him not reporting, make it to where you have a flag that's thrown out that the coach throws so we, we know that, okay. Courtney, that sounds like, Courtney, this thrown. is a Cowboys fan that's trying to excuse the win. I can hear it in his voice. I Am I right, Lee? Frankly. Lee's acting like, you act, you're just happy you won. Just admit you're happy you won so you don't think there's anything wrong. With Dez in 2014, that See. was a catch. But, See, you know, you life goes Cowboys on, but fans. it was confirmed. I was – you know, I, I wasn't happy about it, but at the end of sure. the day, it, it, it's a game. Like, I mean, do, do you want to just find refs every time they mess up? I yeah. mean, well, I mean, Lee, I think the there's the – it happens. Lee, we appreciate the call. I mean, you bring up some good points. Do you, like, does every mistake – because there are those in my mentions right now saying, oh, well, they missed a tripping call earlier in the game, and that could have changed, uh, you know, a specific drive. Like, does every mistake have to be – accounted for like human error is part of the game like we we signed up for that as fans like we sign up for that but unless you have robot umpires out there that part of the game's not going to be players have error their contracts will reflect that in the future Kadarius Tony's contracts are not going to be the same in the future because of what human error because he makes mistakes officials have no accountability do I think they ought to take things out of each paycheck based on the mistakes no but I do think officials can say okay next year we're paying you x because of your performance the year before Mm -hmm. players have it coaches have it Courtney broadcasters have it you get ratings you get a paycheck officials have nothing nothing that suggests they have to do their job right yes so the answer is would I find them yes now you may not find them that year but your next deal the best umps our best officials should get more money than the rest. Well, and to your point, players do get fined if they if there's unsportsmanlike contact, if it's a roughing the passer call against them, like for those sorts of things, late hits, so on and so forth. There is no equivalent for that in the officiating world. I don't know if I'd want. 
I think the culmination of everything, being able to see, especially if it's a if it's a non-call or a call that ends up affecting a drive, like sometimes things will be missed. There will be holds yes. that are missed here and there. But like weighing that versus something that's called that may end up changing the trajectory of a game, that's a different conversation. Now, how they would, would end up being okay able to. Would you be okay with officials, Courtney, being paid different amounts of money? Like I'm fine with it, but would in you terms be okay of like with in, it? In, like, incentivizing what yeah, they... Yeah, just saying, like, these are our best officials. We pay them more than we pay these officials. And, and I would hope that that, that group of officials that? would not have the amount of errors that some of these other crews do. But yeah. you brought it up earlier. Brad Allen and his group, who they they missed the late hit on Justin Fields against Cleveland. Zedaria Smith ended up being fined for that hit later on. So very clearly the NFL wrote the wrongs of the officiating crew, um, and that took the Bears out of field goal contention. They screw up the non-DPI call, Chiefs and uh, Packers, a couple weeks ago. Chiefs end up losing that game. They get rewarded with a primetime game that ends up having major playoff implications on it. So I I can't understand the logic that continues to go through the NFL as they schedule out these officials. It's almost like they're telling us as fans and consumers, we're going to continue to push our, push this thing through because your opinions on this do not matter. So are you okay with them getting paid different amounts of money? I'm not okay with them 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 telling them. If it means that we have a better crew for bigger games where we're not going to be talking about the playoff implications and what this may have taken a team out of, then, yeah, I do think that there should be a wage scale and obviously experience and, and stuff like that factors in, too. Um, there's bonuses, too, for if you go to the playoffs and you're like part of an officiating crew. That plays into your finances. And obviously, there's the incentive there for to the not biggest get things games. wrong. For the biggest games, Courtney, we put the best announcers, right? Or at least the announcers that are the highest profile. For the biggest games, you end up putting them on the primetime slots. Why can't we make it to where the officials that are the best get the biggest games, get the most money, and give them an incentive to succeed? We don't do that, and we get the results that we pay for. All right, Richard in Texas. You're on ESPN Radio Give us an actual solution. Don't If you're a Cowboys fan and want to talk your way out of this, we want to hear an actual solution here. You're, you've got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Good morning. Happy New Year to you all. Actually, my man just had it perfect. I agree with you. They should find them, give them a pay scale. It's just like your job, my job. I have to earn my pay. I have to earn my preach my raise every Tell year. Tell about it. They screw That's exactly up. Exactly right. Blatantly, it's been too many. I'm a Bingo fan. I'm an NFL fan first, though. It has nothing to do with the Cowboys. I don't like what happened to New Orleans when it's blatant. Find them. Don't give them no games. Mm-hmm. That's the bottom line. That's my man. See, Courtney, a lot of I told you, the people are intelligent. You go to Richard in Texas, you end up with the right decision. Good call, Richard. We appreciate that. And like when he brought up, he's bringing up New Orleans again in the NFC Championship game, which, of course, that the pass interference call that was not called in that moment brings, you know, that's one of the first things I think of. How come they can't just reverse the call in the moment, like in watching it back and realizing, hey, we screwed up. We need to, this was human error in that moment. We saw it. We called the wrong thing. 
before we go any further, like there can be a stoppage to determine for getting a call from New York, getting a call from whomever, mm-hmm. the sky judge that it, we've talked about, for, but for some reason that doesn't seem to be a solution that the NFL finds acceptable. Why can't we just take a beat and wait to get it right? Like that's, it, it just feels like we have such a like such an urgency to like finish the game and to like all right we'll deal with the fallout from this call at a later date, and that ends up creating more problems for the sport. Where if we just all in that moment, those who were in charge of making sure the call was right or wrong, have a chance to review it and get it right there, or also get input if they need it. Like why why is that never brought onto the because table? Because the ethos of the NFL is never apologized. The ethos of the NFL is we've never done anything wrong because we're the NFL. I keep saying this. They are like an old school dictator. They just believe if the state says it, it's never wrong. For the NFL, what you just said is exactly right. Why can't we just fix it? Because in their minds, they don't screw up because they do it. It is, in, it is sort of embodied in what the ethos of the NFL is to never make a mistake. And again, you end up with results like we had Saturday. And the mistakes keep happening. They will keep happening and they will keep happening. Human error is not avoidable, but the responsibility and the culpability that the league could show here would probably be much appreciated by NFL fans. I don't know if it would end up getting people to all of a sudden forgive officials in those moments. Not that we're asking for that, and they shouldn't be asking for that either, but it it would go a long way in protecting the integrity of the sport itself because right now it certainly looks like it's lacking that given the NFL silence. All right, Matt and I are over this. Pat Costello, our producer, is going to tell you what's grinding his gears on this New Year's Day coming up next on Sportsman Like ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. So this is the portion of Unsportsmanlike on ESPN Radio and ESPN2 where we give the floor to Pacastello, our producer, to let him gripe about whatever he wants to gripe about. But Matt, I know you have something on your mind first that I want to let you, you have the floor now before we hand it over yeah, to Pat. I, I just want to show the world that people can, of all different types, can get along. I can't see this because this is in my house, but I, I'm t- hurt here, Courtney. The behind you is an Indiana basketball. Is that right? It is. It's right over on this side of my bookshelf. So all right. Yeah, and then right for in the me, middle of the behind shot. me, this is a Kentucky Maker's Mark basketball, which hopefully 
hopefully they're showing <laughs> on television. So I just want people to understand Kentucky and Indiana, a traditional basketball rivalry that is heated and intense in college basketball. You went to Indiana. I cover Kentucky. We can still come together, and we both care enough that we still have basketballs in our background for our – well, your alma mater, my favorite team. I just think that's great. It shows even in all this harsh times in the new year – two rivals can come together and we can all hold the same stance that NFL officials get off scot-free far too often and deserve <laughs> exactly right. to be held accountable it's unsportsmanlike on ESPN radio is always presented by progressive insurance all right Pat fire it up we have so much to get into from the course of the last couple of days outside of this Dallas Cowboys Detroit Lions kerfuffle where are we starting this morning uh, well speaking of Detroit I'd actually like to cede my time to the gentleman from Michigan Javante Lawrence <laughs> Javante Time for the most exciting Pistons fan in the entire NBA to tell you what he saw last night. It's Javante's Detroit Pistons second. So, Javante, what happened? It is finally over. For the first time since October, the Pistons have won. They did it! 29. 2-29 at this point? 2-30, or 3-29. So they beat the Toronto Raptors on Saturday... And they can thank the Detroit Lions for overshadowing their win that they had, uh, breaking that two-and-a-half-month losing streak. So they have the longest losing streak in NBA history, tied with the Philadelphia 76ers, which spanned two seasons from 14 to the 2015-16 season. Uh, Javante, did you go out and celebrate this moment? I did not. Unfortunately, <laughs> I couldn't go uh, get a free Wingstop like the rest of my people in Michigan. Very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, Wingstop had, for people who don't know, Wingstop gave like five free wings when the Pistons win. I would think, Javante, did the whole state of Michigan go to Wingstop for that? <laughs> I think so. I think, believe even like Jalen Durant, like he put out an Instagram story like, Wingstop are coming for my wings. So probably like everybody. It's probably just the worst day ever for Dude, Wingstop. Dude, that's the best promotion of all time because people everywhere, Courtney, including me in Kentucky, I heard about it because it was so unused. So go Michigan. Get all your wings because I don't know if Detroit's going to win again for a while. And maybe I'm being selfish here, but I'm like, five wings, that's all you get? I mean, I know it gets you in the door and then hopefully you exactly. end up buying more, you, but I don't know. As, a, as someone who, does, who, who has a place wings? where you buy wings, Courtney, you give them five, <laughs> then they buy five more and you got something going. So okay. I actually think it was very smart of wings stuff. It's, may, it's, it's a marketing ploy that was created by people much smarter than me in that department. Javante, I'm sorry, though, that the Pistons winning came at the cost of the Lions losing. It doesn't seem like Detroit can have nice things more than one time uh, or one th- two things at a consecutive time. But that's true. They won. That losing streak is over. I don't know if your Detroit Pistons second is going to end up going away now or if you're just going to keep Sadly, it. it probably is. <laughs> you're going to keep your Talk eye on Detroit this. about Detroit Pistons way more than I expected to when the show started. Yeah, that is true. It was true. a good run. <laughs> well, it's a good run. You didn't think it was going to be that long, did you, Gervonta? I did not. Like when we came up with this idea, I'm like, oh, because we came up with like I think with like 20 games. I'm like, oh, we probably will, we probably jinxed it. Now they're probably going to win, and that did not happen. It lasted probably about two weeks. Gosh, you could have gotten two months out of airtime from this segment if you would have started it around Halloween. Yeah, they were predicted that they would go on that uh, long of a loser streak. That's true, and they were also predicted not to have a better a good chance to win a game until they face the San Antonio Spurs on January 10th, but they ended up getting it done before the clock struck midnight on 2023. They beat the Toronto Raptors on Saturday and break that 
uh, 29-game losing streak, the worst in the NBA. All right, Pat, what's grinding your gears? The Eagles are such frauds, and I don't know how they've managed 11 wins. It actually boggles my mind. This is so far from a team that can win a Super Bowl, it's crazy. And they're so poorly coached that it's so frustrating to watch. Aren't you an Eagle? You're an Eagles fan. Yes, I am. Yes, I mean, didn't I hear in the intro you saying that Jalen Hurts deserved no criticism? Uh, I think that was earlier in the season. might be some older production. Okay, but I'm just (laughs) saying that that. production, I mean, like all the – you used to whine about exactly what you're doing right now, right? I don't put anything that happened yesterday. There's a little bit of blame that goes Jalen Hurts' way, but yesterday was not a Jalen Hurts problem. Who do you blame? The defense and the coaching. So that's a Nick Sirianni issue then because, right, because you're saying he made the call to move Sean Desai out of the role as defensive play caller, put Matt Patricia, of all people, into that role, and you haven't seen the improvement that you want. Like I, To me, yesterday exposed the losses that they had at the coordinator position. Shane Steichen goes to Indianapolis, their former O.C., Jonathan Gannon, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who came into Philly and beat them, was their former D.C. They never filled those voids. Like, did you honestly expect that they were going to be a better team this year, having lost two of their major offensive and defensive minds? I mean, it started out so strong, and then it just fell apart. I you I would I did a show with you earlier this year and you said because I was bringing up the uh, Super Bowl loser curse Pat I think where I said you know there hasn't been a Super Bowl loser make the Super Bowl once in the last twenty five years and you said that streak was breaking this year would you like to apologize to me now uh, No I would not I will never apologize you sound to you like for an NFL official so you're like an, exactly you're like yeah. the NFL Pat the NFL Costello right Correct Send the pool reporter. <laughs> You won't be getting a two-minute report from Pat anytime soon. All right, what's next? Uh, People have loud cars just to have loud cars. There's a guy that lives in my neighborhood who just sits on his street and revs his engine super loud for absolutely no reason. Everyone thinks you're a loser uh, because you are one. Yeah, you should be in Kentucky, Pat. If you think that happens a lot in Connecticut, in Kentucky, it's like a way of life. You You rev your car everywhere all time. It's like the people who have those like purposely loud mufflers. Yeah. Does it make you sound cool? Like, is that supposed to be a status symbol? I don't in, understand it. In Kentucky, grandmothers rev their car, Pat. You don't need to cut. You don't want to come down here. I don't think. All right, one more. Yeah, one more, real quick. SEC fans taking a victory lap today. Yes. Over FSU and yes. Ohio State losing. Like, relax. They're not that impressive no. of wins. Now, first of all, I'm an SEC fan, and I will take a, a victory lap. I think the eighth and ninth best teams in the SEC are as good as the top teams in the ACC. And Courtney, sixty-three or even to the three. Big 10 too. I don't. Michigan and Ohio State, I'll accept from that. But everyone else, the rest of the country, does not play SEC football, Courtney, and we saw it this weekend. And we will get back into the CFP conversation, the semifinal games coming your way later today. Our coverage beginning 12.30 p.m. Eastern time right here on ESPN Radio. But the phones are open, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Help us solve the NFL's officiating problem because it's very clear the league's not going to do anything about it itself. That's coming up next, ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Unsportsmanlike podcast on ESPN Radio. You can listen to Unsportsmanlike live weekdays from 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. You can also watch on ESPN2 and on ESPNU. 
Unsportsmanlike with Evan Canty and Michelle. Reggie White, who's a defensive end for the Green Bay Packers, says that the firebombing of his church in Knoxville, Tennessee this week was the work of racists who may have been trying to hurt him. First there was one fire, then there was another, then there was another. It wasn't just Reggie's church that burnt down. Hundreds of churches burned in the 90s. I think we have a major problem in our country that we don't want to admit, and that has to do with racism. Was this 1996 or 1956? 30 for 30 podcast and Antscape presents Through the Flames. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.